Let's all lift our hands and hearts to heaven. Father, we thank you tonight because you are a good God. And Lord, we thank you that it just in your grace, you have abounded toward us in goodness and kindness. And so, Lord, we thank you because of Jesus and because of the Holy Spirit, because of the Word of God. Lord, you've done so much to reaching out to us and, and connecting with us and building a relationship with us. And, Lord, we want our hearts to be open uh, to allow you to do everything in our lives and hearts that you desire. And, Lord, we want to be established tonight in the grace of God. In Jesus' name, everybody said, Amen. Amen. You can go ahead and be seated. It is so good to be back at Heart of the Bay. This is always one of my very, very, very favorite places to come. And uh, love and appreciate your pastors, Pastor Mark and Brenda. And just think you guys are super blessed to have great leaders. And, and really the whole team here, just uh, so many great, great people involved. Uh, Pastor Mark shared with me about the small groups and the kickoff and, um, and the topic, the grace of God, and that just really excited me because uh, this is something that has been really stirring in my heart, uh, not, not for years, but for decades, plural. And I remember when I was 18 years old, uh, I had just gotten spirit-filled, just, uh, and I'd been reading the Bible just, I mean, constantly uh, for weeks and weeks and weeks, not years, but for maybe, maybe a couple months at the most, and uh, just devouring the Word of God. And um, I, I was with my mom, and she was with a friend from her childhood. And uh, this lady, uh, my mom had said, now Tony's gotten really religious. She didn't know what to call it. And he's really studying the Bible. And, and this lady, uh, she'd been in church her whole life. And she said, well, since you're studying the Bible, do you mind if I ask you a question? I said, well, certainly. And I mean, I'd been studying the Bible for two months. I pretty much knew everything. And um, um, so uh, I thought I did. I thought I knew more than I, I'm sure I did. But anyway, she said, uh, she said, I've been in my church, in, in church my whole life. And she said, I do not. What is grace? What is grace? And she said, can you explain that to me? And I said, oh, yes, because I'd read this somewhere. I, I, said, uh, I said, grace is unmerited favor. And I just felt so smart. You know, I just felt like I'd, you know, opened the, the treasure of heaven's knowledge to her. I said, grace is unmerited favor. And then she asked something I wasn't prepared for. She said, well, what's that? And I was stuck. I mean, I, you know, my knowledge ended about right there. And I said, well, I didn't, I didn't want to tell her I don't know. How many of you know when you're young and maybe old and prideful, you don't want to admit that you don't know? How many of you know there's a lot we don't know? Um, and, and it's okay that we don't know everything. We're not omniscient. We don't, and there's some things we're not going to find out till we get to heaven, and that's okay. And the Bible says we know in part and we prophesy in part. And, um, you know, and that, the reason we need to understand that we don't know everything, if number one, knowledge tends to puff up. Paul said that, but love builds up. And um, Paul, uh, Pro Proverbs talks about trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not to your own understanding. 
Trust in the Lord with all your heart and don't lean to your own understanding. That means our limit understanding is always going to have some limitations. And Paul talked about the peace of God which passes understanding. So our peace has to go beyond what we understand. Is it okay to say that sometimes we have to say, I don't know, but I have peace. God can give us a peace that passes understanding. We can trust in the Lord beyond our understanding. So anyway, um, but I didn't want to admit to this lady because I was young and I, I wanted her to think I was smart and everything, uh, even though I wasn't. Uh, but, but she said, so what, what is unmerited favor? And instead, I just should have said, you know what, I have no idea. But I said, well, you know, that is favor that is unmerited. <laughs> So I'm, I'm really getting clear here. I'm, I'm, really, I'm really bringing out these deep truths. And, and she said, yeah, but I, I don't know what that means. And I said, well, I, I, I had to admit I don't either. You know, and I, I went away frustrated and realizing I, I really didn't know much about grace. Um, maybe to illustrate what grace is, instead of giving something theological or even biblical, we're going to. But, but to start with, maybe I can use an illustration from a cartoon that maybe you grew up with. I, I know I certainly grew up with it called Dennis the Menace. How many of you grew up? Did you know that was, that was based on Pastor Mark's life? Did you know that? <laughs> no, it really wasn't. It wasn't. It wasn't. Um, but um, I remember a cartoon... <laughs> uh, Dennis the Menace cartoon where he and you remember his little buddy Joey and there's a reason they called him the menace you know it's kind of a embellishment of the he's just a mischievous little kid you know not malicious or anything but just you know prone to getting a little bit of trouble here and there and he and his little buddy Joey are leaving Mrs. Wilson's house how many who you remember Mrs. Wilson she was the sweet grandmotherly neighbor and uh, and and as she as they are leaving her house, you know, walking out her front door, their their arms are loaded, their hands they're carrying cookies that she made for them, and uh, and Joey says to Dennis, Dennis, what what did we do to deserve all these cookies? And Dennis says, Ah, oh, Joey, Mrs. Wilson doesn't bake us cookies because we're nice. She bakes us cookies because she's nice. Now that is, that is more theological understanding than I had. God doesn't bless us because we're good. God blesses us because He's good. While we were yet sinners, Christ died for the ungodly. I like to say it this way. When we were at our absolute worst, God gave us His absolute best. That's grace. Let me, in, in our book, and, and Pastor Mark, thank you for what you said about it. I think that particular book, our book called Grace, the DNA of God, I know it's in Spanish, I know it's in Portuguese, it's in Chinese, it is in Indonesian, it is in Arabic. Wow. Wow. 
And I can't remember. It may be in another language or two. I'm not remembering what all it's in. But anyway, um, this list that I'm about to give you, when I was given this course as an assignment, uh, I'm, I'm, this, this topic as an assignment for a Bible school course starting in 1988. That was so far back, my hair was brown at that point. And um, so what I did was I got out a concordance and a concordance is where you look up a word, love, and it gives you every single time that word is used in the Bible, where it is, and a number that corresponds to whatever Greek word it's based on. And so I looked up the word grace, and because I was trying to understand this topic myself. I actually probably did this in about 1986. And uh, so I, I just listed every single time the word grace was used in the New Testament. In I looked at the Old Testament too, but primarily it's going to focus on the New. And I wanted to see how it is used. Because I think, you know, to get an understanding of what something is, look at how is it used in the Bible. And these are some of the statements I found. Every single one of these is from the Bible. Every single one of these, we have the list in the book itself. The Lord is gracious. He is the giver of grace. He is the God of all grace. His throne is called the throne of grace. The Holy Spirit is called the spirit of grace. Our message is called the gospel of the grace of God and the word of His grace. The prophets of old prophesied of the grace that should come to us. This grace came by Jesus. He was full of grace, and it was from His fullness that we receive one grace after another. The grace of God was upon him, and gracious words proceeded out of his mouth. It was by grace that he tasted of death for every man. We are told to continue in grace, abound in grace, be strong in grace, and to grow in grace. The Bible speaks of great grace the abundance of grace, the exceeding grace of God, the glory of His grace, the riches of His grace, the exceeding riches of His grace, the gift of the grace of God, the grace of life, the manifold grace of God, and the true grace of God. Amen. With the Bible saying all that, and that's honestly just a fraction, there's probably about twice as much that we could go into, but we just don't want to, you know, run, you know, have time for other things too. But, you know, what, what, what does this mean? Now, what I'm about to say, these are not definitions of grace, but these are, these are implications of grace. These are the ramifications of grace because of God's grace, His graciousness, and what His grace is, this is what it means in our lives today. He loved us while we were yet sinners. God never said, if you'll straighten up, I'll love you. If you'll perform up to a certain standard, I will love you. Uh, I said this a minute ago, when we were at our very worst, God gave us His very best. That's grace. Uh, one way that this is a good way to remember grace, and uh, I know some people say, well, that's not very complex. I, I like things that are simple. 
if you take the word grace, G-R-A-C-E, and make it an acrostic, grace is God's riches at Christ's expense. I like that. Think about that. All of the riches of God, God's riches. Well, what kind of the riches of His love, the riches of His mercy, the riches of His kindness. We, we don't tap into those by human effort, by self-effort, by self-improvement. We, God's riches at Christ's expense... In other words, the riches of God become ours because of what Jesus paid on the cross of Calvary. And that is the essence of grace right there. Here's another statement. Grace is the sum total of all that God did for us in Christ, all that He's doing for us now through the Holy Spirit, and all that He will do for us in the future. Grace is God doing for us what we could have never done for ourselves, helping us to become who He's called us to be and empowering Him to do what He's called us to do. Grace, one, one uh, uh, Bible scholar said this, Grace is God's divine influence upon our hearts and its reflection in life. How many of you know that having been a recipient of grace, we can then become a distributor of grace? You know, I just kind of think Christians ought to be gracious. Um, because if, if we've been the recipients of grace, uh, how much should that, that work through? You ever meet mean Christians? Don't, no, I'm, I know not here at this church, but somewhere, somewhere at some other church. Where they're mean Christian. I know there's no mean Christians here. But, but when we've been the recipient of kindness, kindness should show up in our life. When we've been the recipient of mercy, mercy should be gone. It Grace is God's divine influence upon our heart and its reflection in life. So grace is what God has done. Grace is God, and, and it's the nature of God from which He did it. Uh, you know, when God saw us lost and in sin and not interested in Him, how many of you are glad that God reached out for you when you weren't even reaching out to Him? Uh, God was, uh, you know, and here's kind of the cool thing about it. Before I was ever born, before I had ever committed a sin, God loved me so much that before I ever committed a sin, before I ever needed forgiveness, He had already provided it before I even needed it. That's grace. He didn't wait to see if I would cry out, Oh God, you know, I'm seeking you. No, He sought me. That, that's the beauty of grace. He sought us when we were not seeking Him. Uh, Jesus said it this way. He said, You did not choose me, but I chose you. And, and John said it this way, It's not that we loved Him, but that He loved us. So when we talk about grace, what this means is that God is always the initiator. God is always the initiator. Man is always the recipient. And the way we receive is through uh, this avenue that we call faith. 
And, and you know, Pastor Mark and Brenda and I and some others here, you know, we went to a school that emphasized faith. And, and we learned from a wonderful man of God named Brother Hagen. And he taught us faith. And, uh, and, 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 and we make no apologies for that. The Bible says we're saved by faith that we live by faith, that we walk by faith, uh, that without faith it's impossible to please God. We make no apologies for faith. But I'm going to tell you what, if it weren't for grace, faith would be meaningless. Because faith is only receiving that which God has provided in His grace. If God had not provided it in His grace, you know, we could say things or believe things all day long and it wouldn't make any difference. It's only because God in His grace provided it that we have something to receive by faith or by trusting in God. I love Jeremiah 31.3. God says, I have loved you with an everlasting love. Therefore, with loving kindness, I have drawn you. I love that. I love it that God says, I have loved you with an everlasting love. What does that mean that His love is everlasting? I think it means four things. And this is everything that I'm saying is, is, is just part of the fabric of grace. God loving us with an everlasting love means that God never started loving us. Because if there's a beginning point to when God said, okay, okay, I haven't loved Raul up to this point, but Raul, okay, I'm going to start loving you now. (laughs) Then God's love for you, Raul, was not everlasting. It had a beginning point. And and it's not like um, his love, he'll ever stop loving us. Because if he ever stopped loving us, then it's not everlasting love. When God says, I have loved you with an everlasting love, it means God never started loving you. Now, that's hard on the human brain to think, how did God this, you know, and and it's how many of you know it's okay not to understand everything? God is bigger than our peanut brain. But God has loved us from eternity. There's never a time when God did not love you. There's never a time in the future when God did not love you. When God said, I love you with an everlasting love, it means He never started loving you. He'll never stop loving you. Do you know what else it means? It means there's nothing you can do to make God love you more. That's right. And there's nothing you can do to make God love you less. Now, I'm not teaching, you know, what some people have called cheap grace, that you can just do all kinds of dumb things and it'll have no effect on your life. You can do all kinds of things that'll mess up your life. And you can do all kinds of things that'll hurt other people. But there's something about this. You can't make God love you more and you can't make God love you less because love is who God is. God says, I've loved you with an everlasting love. Let me give you a, a thought here to kind of illustrate what grace is. And, and like I said, I'm not trying to tell you in this session tonight everything you need to know about grace because um, you're going to learn every, every small group session, every lesson that you do, every discussion that you have. You're, you're going to be exploring more and more. And uh, the moment that you think you know everything there is to know about something is when you just told the Holy Spirit, I don't need you to be my teacher anymore. I've got this whole thing figured out. Do you know the Bible says that God resists the proud? Yeah. 
but gives grace to the humble. Pride, when we think we know it all or we think we're such hot shots, we basically are closing the door in God's face. Uh, the one, one, D.L. Moody, I think it was, the great evangelist said, uh, God sends no one away empty except for the person who's full of himself. And so we always want to have a really teachable attitude of God. You know, I may have read some stuff on this, but God, there's always more for me to learn. The Bible talks about the unsearchable riches of Christ. That doesn't mean you can't search them. It means you'll never exhaust the search. So to illustrate grace, um, let's say... How many of you have been on mission trips before? Let me see your hand. You've been on mission trips. How many of you have been to a a real primitive, developing type nation where maybe they didn't have all the modern conveniences and things like that? Some of you have been to some of those places. So let's say you're on a missions trip and and you're in, uh, we'll just say some, you know, deep jungle somewhere and, you know, maybe you're the first person from a civilized country they've ever seen. You know, they've never seen an automobile. They've never seen an airplane. They've never, you know, had electricity. They just don't know anything modern. And and you decide that, you know, you're going to bring them to your country and uh, and you're going to just allow them to experience life here a little bit. And so, Uh, I mean, everything is new to them, so they walk into your home or your apartment, and um, you open the door, and the first thing they see, let's just put, is is, uh, light bulbs and and lights around the house. And they, I mean, they've seen fire before, but they've never seen, and they look at that, and maybe you've got an interpreter with you or something, they say, what, How, how, what is that? And you say, well, that's, and you don't know how to explain it really, so you say, well, that's, that's electricity, at work, and then they see the ceiling fan, you know, going around, and 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 that's amazing to them. And they, and they say, "What's what's that? How's that?" Where you say, "Well, that's that's electricity." And and they you invite them to come into your kitchen, and you uh, you know you're going to offer them something to drink, and so you open the refrigerator, and they they've never seen a refrigerator, and they they look in, and they put their hand, it's cold. And they, they've never seen anything like that. And, 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 and you can tell they're shocked at the coldness of it. And they look at you and through the internal, they say, how, how is that happening? And, and, uh, and you say, well, it's electricity. And then you, you know, you get something out and you're going to pop it in the microwave and, you know, you get something cold out of the refrigerator and put it in the microwave and, you know, nuke it for, you know, 30 seconds or 45 seconds and it comes out steaming hot. And they don't know how that... And, 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 and they say, how is all this happening? And you say, it's electricity. Can you understand how they're going to be kind of confused? Because they're hearing this word electricity, but, but, but this electricity is producing light. And it's producing motion. And it's producing cold and it's producing heat. How can one thing produce all these different things? And so years ago, when I first made, you know, just got that long list through the concordance of all the times that grace was used, by that time, I'd been studying the Bible about seven years or so and uh, knew a little bit more. 
than when that lady asked me that first question and I had basically nothing to tell her other than a technical definition which didn't help her. Um, I noticed that a whole bunch of the statements about grace had to do with getting saved, had to do with getting forgiven and getting born again. But then I noticed also, and that's really all I knew about grace. How many of you know the great verse, Ephesians 2.8? How many of you know what that says? For by grace are you saved through faith. See, grace doesn't just come crashing into your life. Grace comes through faith. Well, what is faith? Martin Luther said faith is the yes of the heart. By grace are you saved through faith. Grace is who God is and what God has done and what God is doing. Faith is our positive response. Now, some people think, I've talked to people who got really excited about grace. And, um, and they thought, well, you know, I used to be into faith, but now I'm into grace. <laughs> and, and I've had to say, wait a minute. God never said, choose ye this day. You know, Friday morning, I'm going to get on a plane and fly up to Edmonton, Canada. And, and when I get on that plane, I, uh, that plane had better have two wings that, you know, work. I don't want just, you know, now, which, pl- which wing would you like to work on this flight today? The left wing or the... No, I want both wings. The Bible says we're saved by grace through faith. So grace and faith are not in competition with one another. Uh, grace and faith are not adversarial with one another. And so what I began to see in the Bible is that many times when grace comes into our life and we say yes to that grace, and, and understand this, how many of you know God is a gentleman? Yeah. How, the, Jesus said, behold, I stand at the door. and, and not, Did you notice he didn't say, I'm going to huff and I'm going to puff <laughs> and I'm going to blow your door down? No, that's a different, totally different you know, story. God is a gentleman. Jesus said, I stand at the door and knock. If you don't want God to bless you, he won't. But he stands at the door and knocks. If you'll open the door, opening the door is faith. Okay. Jesus standing and say, I love you. I want to come in and fellowship with you. That's grace. So I found out that many, many, many of the scriptures about grace have to do with getting forgiven, getting saved, getting born again, becoming righteous, becoming a child of God. But I realized with all these other verses about grace, they, they're not talking about that. So it, it'd be like if, if you had electricity in your home, but the only thing you had were lights. You didn't have air conditioning, you didn't have a refrigerator, you didn't have an oven, you didn't have a ceiling fan, you didn't have a television. Electricity will do, electricity will energize whatever you plug into it. Grace will energize whatever part of your life you plug into that grace. And so if you only want grace to go to heaven, then you accept Jesus as your Savior, and you're born again. You'll go to heaven when you die. But, but what about tapping into God's grace for a holy life? 
What about tapping into God's grace for a victorious life? So we're going to talk about this, and um, I want to talk about five. Everybody say five. Five expressions of grace. And each of these, I'm gonna, I mean, I'm going to spend a couple minutes on each one. I'm guessing that probably in your groups, you may have entire sessions devoted to some of these. But the first area that, that we receive grace in is what we call saving grace. Saving grace. And that is God's life and God's power coming into our unregenerate nature and spiritually raising us from the dead, giving us new spiritual life, causing us to pass from death to life, uh, from condemnation to righteousness. Saving grace is what God does when He comes in and makes us a new creature in Christ. And that verse, let's look at it one more time. For by grace, Ephesians 2.8, you have been saved through faith. Let's read it this way. For by God's riches at Christ's expense, you've been saved through faith. And look at this. And not of yourselves. You didn't originate it. You didn't... You know, you don't, How many of you know you don't earn your salvation? You don't... Well, you know, I just sought God until I found Him. No. That's not how it works at all. It's not of yourself. Listen, if, you, if, if this is going to be about you searching for God until you find Him, uh, you're eternally lost, okay? Because of yourself, of your own effort, uh, God is the initiator. You didn't seek Him. He sought you. Um, he, you know, so, so it is, it's not of yourselves, it is the gift of God. How many people in the world today think they're going to get to heaven because of how good they've been? I mean, it's, just, it's a horrible deception. Nobody's getting to heaven because of how good they've been. Nobody's been good enough. How many people think they're going to get to heaven because they've been religious enough? Well, I've done all this. I've done all this religious activity. I've, you know, given money. Yeah, I mean, even good things. But, but they don't get you saved. It's not of yourselves. It is the gift of God. Look at verse 9. It is not of works. Now, let's stress this. It's not of your works. It's of His works. Your works don't get you saved. Jesus' works get you saved. But you have to, you know, look at it here in the context. So saving grace is God's life and God's power coming into your life to regenerate you, to make you a new creature in Christ. You know, the song, Amazing Grace, How Sweet the Sound, that saved a wretch like me, that was written by John Newton, who was a slave trader. And, I mean, not just a slave trader, but he talks about just how vile he was and how vulgar he was and all these type of things. And, and, and when, when he repented of sin, he knew how much he needed to be forgiven of. 
See, one thing that happens, Jesus said, he that is forgiven much loves much. And he that is forgiven little loves little. If, if, now, please don't, don't hear this and think, well, man, I just better go do a bunch of really horrible stuff. And then I'll really learn how to love God. No, no, no. But, but when people detest their sin, when people abhor and, and, and they are enlightened to how horrible what they did was and how much harm they did, uh, and, and then they receive forgiveness, they, they have an appreciation for the love of God. If you think, if you think, well, I'm not one of those bad sinners. I mean, yeah, I told a little lie at once and I did it, you know. So, yeah, Jesus just, he, Jesus just had to kind of wipe a little smudge off of me. <laughs> but I was really pretty awesome to begin with and things like You're not going to, I'm not implying that of you. But if you just think that Jesus just had to do a little touch-up work on you, then you're, you're not going to appreciate him very much. At the root of that, you still think, I'm pretty awesome. Okay? And as long as you think you're awesome, you will never appreciate the grace of God. Okay? We need to understand that without Jesus, every single one of us was barreling headlong to hell. And, and Paul said, we were dead and, and without hope in this world. And so, you know, we may grade sin and think, well, well I'm, I wasn't as bad as some people. Listen, you needed forgiveness. I needed forgiveness just as much as the person you think was the worst person in the world. We all needed the same. And that's where God's grace came, flooding and abounding to us. And that's why John Newton wrote, Amazing grace, how sweet the sound, that saved a wretch like me. I once was lost. See, see, a lot of people think that Christianity is just a self-improvement thing. It's just a little motivational. No, you were lost, and now you're saved. We belong to Satan. Now we belong to God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. That's what grace did. I saw a T-shirt a long, long time ago, and it was in the Coca-Cola script. You remember Coca-Cola used to have the thing, Coke adds life. You remember that? And, and they had this t-shirt, you know, somebody's trying to be cute and clever, and I'm not trying to be a nitpicky, old, cranky guy. <laughs> but this t-shirt, <laughs> this t-shirt said, Jesus adds life. Like Jesus is some kind of additive. No, Jesus doesn't add life. Jesus is life. He is your life. You, he didn't add. You didn't have any life. You didn't get a little bonus. You didn't get a little boost. You didn't get a little extra from Jesus. You were dead, and He gave you life. That's the magnitude of grace. So saving grace is what brings us from the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of light. But what do you do once you're there? Once you're saved, you got to live. So you couldn't get saved by your own strength. Do you have to live in your own strength? Does God just say, okay, I've, I've forgiven you. I've made you my child. Now, good luck until you get to heaven. 
No, there's what I call strengthening grace. The same grace that saved you will strengthen you. Just like the same electricity that will give your bulbs light will give your oven heat. The same grace that, that made you a child of God will enable you to be a victorious child of God. Look at uh, Romans chapter 5 and verse 17. God just does, He doesn't give you grace just to get into the kingdom and then leave you on your own. God gets you into the kingdom by His grace, and then He enables you to live victoriously by His grace. Look at this in Romans 5.17. For if by one man's offense death reigned through the one... How many of you know Adam got us into all kinds of trouble? Okay. Uh, by man came sin. Much more. Everybody say much more. Much more. Those who receive the abundance of grace and the gift of righteousness will reign in heaven. Are you going to let me get away with that? It doesn't say you're... Of course you're going to reign in heaven. You don't even have any enemies in heaven. But you'll reign in life. Who reigns in life? Those who receive the abundance of grace. I'm going to really date myself here. Grace ain't brill cream. Don't settle for a little dab. You need more than a little dab. Of gra- you need the abundant. What does that mean? You need all the grace that God has to give you. Makes me wonder how many people just get enough grace to get saved and then... Okay, God, I got it from here. I can handle it from here. Don't do that. Those who receive the abundance of grace and the gift of righteousness shall reign in life, in this life, through the one Jesus Christ. The God who saves you by His grace also empowers you by His grace. Uh, Salvation is the gift of life. This type of grace, this uh, application of grace, applies toward living. We need eternal life, but then we need grace for living the daily life as well. Then thirdly, there is what we are going to call sanctifying grace. Sanctifying grace. How many of you know we live in a world that will just slime you? I mean, just the stuff that we're constantly bombarded with. And the, uh, Any of you still deal with flesh? You know, and your flesh wants to get irritable, and your flesh wants to get critical, and your flesh wants to be mean, and your flesh... You know, how many of you know that your body's not born again yet? You know, the Bible says that we need to present our bodies to God a living sacrifice. Why do you have to... You have to do something with that body of yours. And all it does, we, all we have to do, I've heard people say, you know, well, I'm a new man, spirit, soul, and body. You are not. Look in the mirror. That's the same old body you used to have. 
look in the mirror 10 years from now and tell me that I'm a new man, spirit. No, you're, you, you, the outward man perishes. <laughs> the outward man perishes. We live in a body... And see, this people get confused about this because, you know, we teach that we are redeemed in the entirety of our being, right? Yeah. Jesus went to the cross. How, how did Jesus go to the cross? He went to the cross, spirit, soul, and body. He went to the cross in the entirety of his being. He took the impact and the penalty and the punishment for our sin in the totality of his being wasn't just his body on the cross what what's this my god my god why have you forsaken me jesus sense he was sensing some spiritual I, I don't understand it all but there was something more than just a physical thing going on what what happened in the garden of eden when he was sweating great drops of blood and and he talked about my soul my soul is troubled. Jesus, in that whole redemptive cross, he experienced that in the entirety of his being, spirit, soul, and body, so that he could redeem us in the entirety of our being, spirit, soul, and body. Now, how many of you have received the gift of eternal life? Let me see your hand. You've received the gift of eternal life. Why does Romans 8, if Jesus already died, if, if what he did on Calvary affects us spirit, soul, and body, then why do our bodies still get old or whatever and die? Did you know that Romans 8 says that we're awaiting the redemption of our bodies? How many of you know Jesus isn't going to have to go back to the cross in the future and die for our bodies? Jesus paid the price all at once on the cross. He paid the price all at once. But let me talk about how it's administered to us. If I were to ask you, are you saved, what would you say? You'd say yes. Yeah, if you're trusting in Jesus Christ, you are saved. But let me ask you this. How many of you are still growing, learning, maturing, developing in the fruit of the Spirit? How many of you, your mind is in the process? Everybody say process. How many of you are in the process of having your mind renewed? So you could say, if I said, are you saved? You could say, yes, I was, and yes, I am being. How many of you expect to have a glorified body in the future? You know, every time Pastor Mark and I or, you know, whoever, if you do a funeral or hear at a funeral, you'll hear the preacher say, this mortal shall put on immortality. This corruptible shall put on incorruption. And and we know that when Jesus returns, when He returns, 
the dead in Christ will rise first, and we who are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them. And Paul said in a, in a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, um, uh, we shall be changed. We're going to get brand new bodies. I'm so glad when I look, sometimes when I look at myself first thing in the morning, it's not encouraging. And I'm, I'm reminded, Lord, this mortal is going to put on immortality. This, this corruptible is going to put on incorruption. So it's kind of like this. Jesus paid for it all at once, but it's being administered progressively. So uh, I was born again spiritually the second I put my faith in Jesus. My mind is being renewed progressively as I yield myself to the Word and the influence of the Spirit. And I shall receive a new glorified body when Jesus returns. So I can say, somebody says to me, Tony, are you saved? I'm not going to do this because probably they're going to think I'm goofy or something. Yes, I was. Yes, I am being. And yes, I shall be. That's really the truth. Now, let's just say you you uh, you you go down. What's the uh, big box hardware store and appliance store out here? Is it Home Depot? So you go down to Home Depot and you give them your credit card and I want this washer, this dryer, and this refrigerator. Okay. So, but your pickup truck only has rooms, let's say, for the washer and dryer. So you're going to make a second trip to get the refrigerator. As soon as you pay for it, they're all three yours. But, but you're going to take the washer and dryer home first, and then you're going to come back and you're going to get the refrigerator. It's kind of like that with, you know, spiritually we're born again, but Jesus is going to come back and pick up, I hate to use the refrigerator for, <laughs> you know. Um, I, I didn't think that went through. I did not think that went through, Pastor Mark. <laughs> so sanctifying grace. See, you're not very sanctified or you wouldn't be laughing at me right now. I'm kind of hurt. Sanctifying grace is God's life and power released toward an individual, cleansing him and enabling him to lead a holy, Christ-like, godly Life. See, even though you're born again, the Bible talks about fleshly lusts which war against the soul. And so fleshly lusts war against your soul, but the grace of God will empower your soul to say no to the wrong stuff and, and to live an empowered life. You don't have to overcome all this stuff in your own strength. Whatever addictions you faced, whatever things you've gone after and things like that that have had a hold on you. Um, and you say, well, I've tried to overcome it. I've tried to overcome it. Let me just, uh, I mean, we, yeah, we do want to cooperate, but we have to have an internal strength from God. So we say, uh, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Christ strengthens us through the grace of God. Let's look at this uh, passage in Titus chapter 2, verse 11. It says, For the grace of God that brings salvation. So what does grace do? 
it brings salvation has appeared to all men. Grace is available to everybody. That's why the Bible says, whosoever will, let him come. That's why the Bible says, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whoever believes in him, the grace of God that brings salvation has appeared. Doesn't say all men have accepted it. Doesn't say all men have received it. The grace of God that brings salvation has appeared to all men, teaching us. Well, who's us? We're the ones who have accepted the grace of God. Teaching us that denying ungodliness and worldly lusts, we should live soberly, righteously, and godly in the present age looking for the blessed hope and glorious appearing of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ. Did you know in that verse we have past, present, and future? Look at that, verse 11. For the grace of God that brings salvation has appeared. Teaching us, verse 11, that denying ungodliness and worldly lust, we should live soberly and righteously and godly in the present age. So we have past, we have present, and then verse 13, we have future, looking for the blessed hope and the glorious appearing of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ. So grace is, is for, it's not just to get you saved and then that's it. it it's, to, it's to empower you to live a godly life right now and then to look forward with hope. I, I don't know what it'd be like to be living in this day and age and not know Jesus. Jesus talked about at the, in the last days, He said, men's hearts will be failing them for fear and for looking after those things which are coming upon the earth. That's not the Christian. We are looking for the blessed hope and the glorious appearing of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ. That's the difference that grace will make in your life. But I just want you to notice, see, there are people who have taught that, well, because of grace, you can do whatever you want. No, grace teaches us to say no to ungodliness and worldly lusts and so on. So you might just make this note, grace is not divine permission to do wrong. Grace is divine empowerment to do right. Grace not only delivers us from the penalty of sin, but delivers us uh, from the power of sin also. Let me just give you four. I'm not going to give you the fifth, because you need to read the book to find out what the fifth point is. And you need to attend a small group to find out what the fifth point... I don't even know if you can get to heaven if you don't attend a group. No, wait a minute. That's not true. That's not true. That's not true. But I do want you to attend a group. The, that, yeah, Pastor Mark just told me I was in the flesh. The fourth is sharing grace. Sharing grace. Sharing grace is when God's life and God's power works in you and makes you cheerful in generosity. Look at 2 Corinthians 9.8. 2 Corinthians 9.8. 
And God is able to make all grace abound towards you. And that word uh, refers to the increase of worldly goods that God grants for charitable purposes. God is able to make all grace abound towards you that you always having all sufficiency in all things may have an abundance for every good work. Grace is not just to get you into heaven. Grace is to keep you clean while you're here. Grace is to enable you to have a powerful, victorious life. Grace is given so that you can have a a supply in your own life and a charitable, cheerful heart to want to bless other people the way you've been blessed. In other words, here's what I'm saying. Grace is for every single dimension of your life. Grace is for your relationship. You know, relationships are so much better when you're yielded to the grace of God. Um, Just, you know, grace will enable us to do really all things through Christ who strengthens us. I was kind of joking when I said, I'm not going to tell you the fifth. I'll just tell you what the fifth is. The fifth, the fifth, anytime I'm preaching for Mark, I just get ornery. Pastor Mark, I get ornery. I don't know what it is. The fifth is what's called serving grace. Serving grace. And I won't give you all the scriptures because of time. But saving grace is um, love rescuing. Stand or strengthening grace is love empowering. Sanctifying grace is love cleansing. Sharing grace is love giving. Serving grace is love assisting. Saving grace is the impartation of God's life. Strengthening grace is the impartation of God's strength. Sanctifying grace is the impartation of God's holiness. Sharing grace is the impartation of God's generosity. And serving grace is the impartation of God's abilities into your life. So grace is the DNA of God. What does that mean? It's His spiritual nature. The Lord is gracious. It's the very fabric of of His character and His person. And... In that grace, He abounds toward us and makes His very life, His very love, His very nature, His very ability available to us. We receive that through faith. Uh, The Bible even says that grace and peace are multiplied unto us through the knowledge of God. And so that's why we really want you to uh, study this thing out and, and... Get everything you can from the various teachings and and the fellowship and learn from each other. How's the grace of God at work in your life? What did God's grace empower you to do this week? How is God sustaining you through grace? And uh, you're going to be you're to be encouraged as you share your stories with others, as you hear other people. And uh, we are called to be a people of grace because we have a God of grace. Amen, Amen. Father. In Jesus' name, thank you for just your goodness and your mercy. And, and Lord, thank you for the grace of God that, Lord, what we could never do for ourselves, you did for us. And you, you 
just when we were lost and without hope in this world, Jesus, you came and you manifested the love and the nature of God. We couldn't do anything of our own effort to save ourselves, but what we could not do because of the weakness of the flesh, God, you did in sending your own Son. We're so grateful. We're so thankful. Help us, help us to walk in, in greater measures than ever before of the grace of God. Lord, truly let grace and peace be multiplied to us through this study in Jesus' name. And everybody said, Amen. 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 God bless you.